I'm mean, I'm fierce, I'm mad, I'm rude, I got that pro fighter attitude I'm in the octagon with the podcast on, let's talk about it on Strattitude You know I've been the best, grab my belt and begin to flex So wild, I might hit the rep, we got the winner's circle segments And the two on five takeaways with Tim and Jeff, so just kick back Grab a brew, it's fight night, so you know what we have to do Whether a power punch or a grapple move, you know we got you covered on Strattitude So just kick back, grab a brew, it's fight night, so you know what we have to do Whether a power punch or a grapple move, you know we got you covered on Strattitude Yeah, scrap, scrap Welcome everybody, back to Tim Talk, brought to you by the Scraptitude Podcast. I am your host, Timothy Lewis, taking you coast to coast, doing the most, and I am happy that y'all are tuning into this program. This is Tim Talk 286 here where we will be covering, where I will be covering, UFC 286. For those uninitiated, this podcast takes three key perspectives, an aggregate of the odds makers, an in-depth look at the data courtesy of the Cutting Edge Scraptitude database. And lastly, that of my own perspective, a decade-plus viewer, fan, analyst of the sport, filling in all the gaps in between with one firm goal, to give you a composite look at these fights so that you can win your fight night wagers. So while I will give you what I believe probabilistically to be the most likely outcome for each given fight, what I want to do is equip you with the tools, the decision-making prowess to win those bets. Today, I will be covering four fights, but before we get there, we have to review Tim Talk 285, the hits and the misses. And be sure to stick around to the end where I give you the parlay of the pod. Last event was one of the best in recent memory, both in terms of a stacked lineup of fights But also in terms of my own performance, I hit you with some big-time winners in this one. I got you with John Jones inside the distance, but the peak, the precipice of that program. Valentina Shevchenko, pound-for-pound stalwart, getting upset by Alexa Grasso. You heard it here first. Overall, I went four for five on the night, as did the odds makers in that selection of five bouts. My only miss being the Dreykus Duplessis versus Derek Brunson fight, and the odds makers miss being that aforementioned Grasso Shevchenko upset. To put it plainly, it was a good night, and all the homies profited. Also, a special shout out for Scraptitude co-founder and my very dear friend, Jeffrey Akins. His birthday happened to coincide with the UFC event, and I gotta say, that steak dinner, plus that birthday magic, definitely elevated us to the level that we needed to to achieve success. Shout out, Jeffrey, the man of the people. I'm like so sexy and chocolate and shit, and you look out, like you look outside, and you're like, damn. Now, without further hesitation, let's talk some fights. Yo, yeah. The first of the four bouts that I'll be covering is Marvin Vittori versus Roman Dolidze. Currently, Vittori is a minus 275 favorite to the plus 215 underdog of Dolidze. That converts to a 73.3% likelihood of victory for Vittori to the 31.7% implied likelihood for Roman Dolidze. Now, the first thing to note is that Roman Dolidze is 34 years old, five years 
the senior of Marvin Vittori. I bring attention to this because Dolizze is just kind of arriving on the scene now, just putting his fingerprints on this middleweight division, whereas it feels like Vittori has been around for a long time, and he has. But he's still just entering, emerging into the prime of his career. This is a very important fight for Dolizze, who needs to make waves before he substantially ages past his prime. Now, on one side, you've got Vittori, who is a hyper-durable, jack-of-all-trades, master of none. Stands in that southpaw stance, has solid boxing, uh, but doesn't really wow you with any given attribute. But he can leverage the right tools in the right circumstance to win any given fight. On the other side, you have Roman Dolidze, who is more of a specialist, a very high-caliber grappler and submission artist. We saw that with his calf slicer to ground-and-pound victory over accredited grappler in his own right, Jack Hermanson. And that fight really stands out to me because you don't just hit a helicopter sweep and then later calf slicer Jack Hermanson. That dude's slick on the mat, but he had no chance. Now, with a fighter like Roman Dolidze, you need to be careful when you're looking at the data. Combing through, it appears that he's a much more lethal striker than he's given credit for. He has a positive significant strike differential per round. Uh, he has an absurd knockdown rate of 2.4, meaning that he knocks down opponents 2.4 times per every 100 significant strikes landed. He's landed 167 significant strikes in his UFC career, has delivered four knockdowns in that time. And his Knockout rate is 58%, meaning 58% of his victories come by way of knockout. Not what you'd expect from a submission artist. In a contradictory sense, Marvin Vittori, despite not being a grappling forward fighter, he does have that in his profile, but not being the focal attribute of his game, he has 50% of his career wins coming by submission to just 11% coming by knockout. But make no mistake, this is a grappler versus striker matchup with Vittori being the one who must keep it upright, whereas Dolizé's overwhelming likelihood of victory comes on the canvas. So why do the odds makers have this one slanted for Marvin Vittori? Well, it all comes down to who can dictate the geography. As is the case with many talented submission artists, Dolizé does not have a particularly sophisticated profile of takedowns. Therefore, the case has always been and always will be, how can he get the fight to the ground unconventionally, a.k.a. the Luke Rockhold dilemma. In some fights, he's been able to get there by using the lethality of his striking, and in others, he's been taken down by opponents. That's how Jack Hermanson found himself in trouble. But with a head like a cinder block and sound takedown defense, it's unlikely that Marvin Vittori ends up in any prolonged grappling sequence. Alternatively, while there are some wrinkles to the striking style of Roman Dolize, he has defensive limitations. He does not get his head off the center line. He is measured in his strike selection, and he's prone to being outworked for that very reason. I would argue that this stylistic matchup for Roman Dolize is every bit as predictably daunting as Robert Whitaker was for Marvin Vittori in his prior bout. I looked for Dolize angles in this one. I do like him as a fighter. He's toolsy, he's interesting, and he's got some highlight caliber finishes on his resume. But I'm not going to overthink this one. Vittori dictates the geography, he leverages his superior striking, and he gets through this one with the decision victory. Yo, yeah. Next on the ledger, we have 
King Casey O'Neal returning against Jennifer Maya. Currently, Casey O'Neal is a minus 177 favorite to the plus 145 underdog. In regard to percentages, that converts to a 63.9% likelihood of victory for O'Neal to the 40.8% implied likelihood for Maya. To contextualize this bout, it's the classic measuring stick fight. You have a talented but unproven younger fighter who's rising up the ranks and now needs a more formidable challenge to show if they are capable of contending in this division. That challenge is Jennifer Maya, somebody who has fought the names in the faces and has even risen so high in the division's rank to achieve a title shot against Valentina Shevchenko, about where she did steal a round. O'Neill's Calling card, her chief characteristic is her motor. She lands 0.86 takedowns per round. She accumulated over 200 significant strikes against Roxanne Matafari in her last showing. On the other hand, Jennifer Maya is consistent. She's strong like an ox. And she doesn't get phased. She's a poised veteran who has accumulated 30 fights in her professional MMA career to just nine for King Casey O'Neill. Another wrinkle here that can't be ignored, is that Casey O'Neill is just seven months removed from an ACL tear. Now, fortunately, it happened when she's just 25 years old. She should recover quickly, but even so, this is a remarkably fast turnaround, and I am curious to see if it in any way affects her athleticism, her ability to generate leverage. Is she fully confident? I don't know. That's one thing that we're not going to be able to account for until she's in the octagon. But I do think that's why the odds makers have not totally sold out on the prospects of her victory. Because Jennifer Maya, despite her strong, stout physique, she has some stylistic issues with what King Casey O'Neill presents. Namely, her weak takedown defense against the takedown-heavy approach of O'Neill. She also isn't a high-volume fighter and doesn't get people out of there, so she doesn't pose a large lethality threat to punish Casey O'Neill for some of her rookie mistakes. So while I see stylistic avenues of success for Casey O'Neill, there are uh, red flags that give me trepidation, namely that ACL tear recovery, as well as concerns that her skill set doesn't translate quite the way we expect it to now that she's fighting a more tenured and skillful opponent. So overall, I must say, I don't love betting on this one. But gun to my head, I see the frenetic, the motor, the takedowns outworking Jennifer Maya on the way to a Casey O'Neill decision victory. Yo, yeah. Next up, we have a fabulous Let There Be Blood showdown between Justin the Highlight Gaethje and Rafael Fiziev. Currently, Fiziev sits at a minus 230 favorite to the plus 181 of Justin Gaethje. In terms of percentages, that converts to a 69.7% implied likelihood of victory for Fiziev to the 35.6% implied likelihood for Justin Gaethje. Now, I don't think this fight is all that complicated to break down. These men do not attempt takedowns. They fight with violence. This is somewhat amusing considering Justin Gaethje's wrestling pedigree, but throughout his entire mixed martial arts career, he has leveraged that tool to avoid the takedown instead of imposing his will as a wrestler. Now, should he call upon that attribute, I don't know if it makes much of a difference because he's fighting a very stout 
and strong and explosive competitor in Rafael Fiziev, who is not easy to ground or maintain control upon. Now, it's kind of interesting to me that oddsmakers are counting out Justin Gaethje the way that they are, giving him a 30% implied likelihood of victory. This guy has one of the highest strength of schedules in the entire UFC. He's competed against some dogs. With 27 professional fights to the mere 13 of Fiziev, he has a real experience advantage. But that experience advantage only takes place in the context of mixed martial arts. Rafael Fiziev is an experienced Muay Thai fighter. And the fact that Justin Gaethje is going to engage him in a glorified kickboxing match causes me to chip away at the idea that the professional mixed martial arts experience will work in Justin Gaethje's favor. In my opinion, it's clear why Justin Gaethje was avoiding this fight. He needs somebody like Benil Dariush or Mike Chandler, who is his most recent victory. Somebody where he has an athletic or a technical advantage to leverage his tools, namely the brutal leg kicks, and car collision style combat that he has mastered with his pocket boxing. Against a Dariush, I'd be confident that he can stop the takedown and engage him in a striking war, where I think he would be at an advantage. And with Michael Chandler, who excels with takedowns but not necessarily maintaining control time, he was able to leverage his superior boxing. If this fight took place a year ago, I would think that the war of attrition style that Justin Gaethje implements might give Rafael Fiziev problems, who we saw gas out against Bobby Green. However, in his most recent appearance against Rafael Dos Anjos, he silenced a lot of those concerns by taking out the ever-durable Dos Anjos with a fifth-round TKO. In my opinion, Justin Gaethje's chin is too available. He's going to be at an athletic and technical disadvantage. Additionally, that leg kick that he banks on won't be there due to the switch stance and Muay Thai experience of Rafael Fiziev. So I take the aforementioned Fiziev to clean Justin Gaethje's clock inside two rounds. Book it. Yo, yeah. The last fight we are covering is the main event of the evening, the trilogy bout between Leon Rocky Edwards and Kamaru, the Nigerian nightmare Usman. Currently, Kamaru Usman is a minus 254 favorite to reclaim his title against the plus 200 underdog Leon Edwards. That converts to a 71.8% implied likelihood of victory for Kamaru Usman to the 33.3% implied likelihood for Leon Edwards. Now, Tim Talk Faithful might recall that I predicted Leon Edwards would upset the pound-for-pound kingpin Kamaru Usman. Now, how did I predict this when everybody thought that Leon Edwards, formerly known as Leftover Leon, was supposed to get crushed? It was two things. The long-term win rate, proficiency, and statistical profile of Leon Edwards, and the aging decline of Kamaru Usman. Few seem to merit the idea of age-adjusted experience, and also the age apex. Be wary of these variables as they are some of the most predictive in mixed martial arts. Usman relies heavily on physicality, durability, and pace. So turning 35 was a big deal that wasn't given the mainstream consideration it deserved. And now suddenly, the gap, at least statistically, between the two doesn't seem so large. Usman is 23-2. 
Leon Edwards is 22 and 2. So not only does Leon Edwards have a pronounced advantage in terms of age-adjusted experience, he will also be taking on a nearly 36-year-old Kamaru Usman, who is unlikely to be better than he was the first time around. One of the hardest things to do when factoring in an age-related decline is how to view the data in context. That significant strike differential, those takedowns landed per round, all of those accolades, those title defenses, the highlights that we have grown to admire, that we have used to etch Kamaru Usman's name in the pantheon of mixed martial arts and pound-for-pound greats. So why then, after Leon Edwards decapitated Kamaru Usman in the fifth round on pay-per-view television, is he a pronounced underdog against the former champion? People watched the fight. They saw Kamaru Usman win three out of the five rounds on his way to winning four out of the five rounds while accumulating more significant strikes, more control time, more takedowns, more pressure, basically being Kamaru Usman. And then what happened? My concerns came to fruition. Even with the advantage of competing at elevation, fighting Leon Edwards in their second bout in Salt Lake City, Kamaru Usman took his foot off the gas in that fifth round. Why that happen? Because he's getting old. It's not a mistake of the technical variety. He was tired. They both were tired for sure. Hard fight, long fight. But the guy took his foot off the gas because he was running on empty. He gave a fractional opportunity to Leon Edwards, who seized it with both hands and one foot. This time, the fight will be happening in Leon Edwards' backyard, in the O2. And this time, he will carry with him the confidence from the first bout, as well as the film, to improve on the lapses of a fight where he was competitive throughout the duration. A lot of people think that it's Leon Edwards who has to thread the needle once again to get hit that one in a million shot and get Kamaru Usman out of there. But for me, it's Usman who has to fight the perfect fight. He needs to not only get takedowns and maintain pressure, but also secure control time. He's going to need to shut all windows and doors that prevent Leon Edwards from getting his strikes off. Because this time, Leon Edwards is not going to be at elevation. He is not going to be flattened there. He is going to be more precise. He's going to be better conditioned. So while a great like Kamaru Usman might do his thing, I don't believe that he should be a favorite. This should be a 50-50 fight, and I'm taking Leon Edwards by decision. Yo, yeah. All right, y'all. Thanks for tuning in. Before getting out of here, I'm going to hit you with the parlay of the pod. The lineup is as follows. Leon Murphy, money line. Marvin Vittori, money line. Hafiel Fiziev, money line. Mohamed Mokiev, money line. Lock that in at plus 247. I'm riding it with you. And that's it for Tim Talk 286. If you enjoyed this program, please take the time to subscribe, rate, and review. Those reviews are big. Those ratings are big. And something additional and even bigger favor you can do is recommend us to a friend, a like-minded MMA aficionado, better, casual fan, doesn't matter. I guarantee they will find value in this program. That's a solid that you can do for me. Hopefully the solid I do for you is winning you some motherfucking money this weekend. Until next time, y'all, enjoy the fights, bet responsibly, be well.